Well, welcome to a very special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Very, very special in particular for our affiliates in Colorado, KLTT, AM670, KLDC, uh, AM1220. And the story that uh, is, of course, if you live in Colorado, you know this is a big deal. If you are not a Colorado resident, I encourage you to stay with me during the next half hour because we're going to take a look at a story that is, um, it's kind of, it sets the tone perfectly for the conversation I have coming up at the bottom of the hour. If you're listening to KLTT, you want to go to, uh, we'll keep listening to the Bottom Line Show because we only get a half hour here. So uh, you'll, this interview might circulate around later in your world. But for those who are uh, listening to the Bottom Line right now in Colorado, you know this story. Anywhere outside of the state, this may be news to you, but I have a feeling that in light of what Alan, Pastor Alan Jackson writes about in his brand new book, this is going to become the norm more than anything else. We're going to do an analysis, balance, and clarity uh, segment here. Um, and, you know, and, and this kind of falls into Walk the Talk as well. But an ABC as to what happened to a couple of pro-life organizations who were doing something, I think, very commendable in the public square and had the support of a local Colorado Springs-based business until someone with the business got a hold of some information about the pro-life groups and decided that they would cancel their business partnership. Here's the deal. There's a baseball team in Colorado Springs called the Rocky Mountain Vibes. They are in an independent team, as it were. They play um, in the independent, the, one of the independent leagues. There are lots of, if you're a Major League Baseball fan, you know that there are a lot of different divisions of minor league baseball, and there was a big reshuffling of the deck. There's something like 300 different minor league teams. And a few years ago, they had a collective bargaining swap out. The minor league teams have affiliations with the major league teams, but they're their own businesses as well. So one year, you might have a team that is uh, attached to, say, the Angels, and then the next year, they wind up being attached to the Dodgers or the uh, the Rockies or I'm trying to think of the Giants. The A's, one of the Padres, one of the teams that's in our listing area. And when those teams are affiliated, you'll go, oh, this is great because, uh, let's see, uh, somebody gets injured on the Dodgers and they're tied in with the Class A Rancho Cucamonga Quakes in Rancho Cucamonga, California. And so Clayton Kershaw is going to do a rehab start and everybody goes. Sort of like the, uh, the Inland Empire 66ers or the Angels team. So there's still pictures circulating on their website of Mike Trout wearing a 66ers uniform because he went and played a couple of rehab games there. It's a nice way to kind of, you know, energize a, you know, a smallish community. And then there are the independent teams that play along. There's teams that play in Mexico. They play in all different parts of the world. And uh, the Rocky Mountain Vibes are part of that. They have an affiliation with Major League Baseball, but they're part of an independent team. And there's another one in Bogdan, Utah. A lot more teams wound up playing, quote-unquote, independently when MLB decided that they were only going to carry, I think, about 220 affiliates instead of 300. And so there were a lot of you know cities. Uh, gosh, half of the California League. Um, I, I think of uh, Lance Izumi with Pacific Research Institute. Uh, Lance and I have gotten to know each other over the years, and he's a huge fan of uh, – who are the Oaks? Is it the Visalia Oaks or the Modette? He loves all the teams in those smallish markets that our KCBC audience enjoys. Well, independent sports are fantastic. They're the kind of lifeblood of communities, and so when they do a community outreach event, it's kind of fun. As a matter of fact, if there's anyone listening to this right now who is available in terms of being a part of one of those things, I, I, I'll throw this out here. To our bottom line show listeners, 
Um, I would love to come to your town, your town, your city, especially if you have minor league baseball. I mean, I, I don't mind like my brother lives in Portland and they've got minor league hockey and and there's uh, you know all, all sorts of different ways you can connect on soccer and things like that. But I, I, I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. And so if you have any kind of connection to any California league team, minor league team, anything in Colorado, um, anywhere else that we are heard, got a nice little uh, uh, email over the weekend from a listener in Kentucky who's a former Southern Californian who just moved there and listens on the K-Bright app. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I would love to do kind of like an event where we're at the stadium, maybe before a game, and we do the show in the afternoon, and then uh, that evening throughout the first pitch, have a concert, stuff like that. These faith and family events have become very, very common, and they're very popular, and they've been happening for years. I can remember going to faith and family events here in Southern California back in the late 80s, early 90s, did them with the Angels, with the Chargers, uh, when the Chargers were in San Diego. It's so weird to say when the Chargers were in San Diego. But it, it, typically what happens is a faith organization will approach the uh, the team and say, we would like to buy a block of tickets. Typically, you know, give us a day when you don't have, when you've got a lot of tickets to sell. Tougher with NFL games, not so hard with Major League Baseball, especially if the team isn't all that great. Now, um, when it comes to uh, the, 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 the event itself, what will typically happen is they'll say, hey, today's Faith and Family Day, and we've got all these different people from different faith communities. Now, typically, Faith and Family is usually code for Christian. You don't typically see the local mosque getting involved in the Faith and Family Day. You certainly don't see the synagogue and stuff like that. And again, it's not that they don't want to, but there probably is not a huge demand. But for some reason, we Christians just love our baseball. <laughs> and so Faith and Family Days are a great, great day. So they're typically, you know, um, Faith and Family works out fine. The Rocky Mountain Vibes actually had an event lined up for last Friday night. The Vibes play in the Pioneer League, which is a partner, as I mentioned, with the uh, uh, with the Major League Baseball and the and the team itself. But if you look at um, what was going to happen, the Ogden Raptors were coming into town out of Ogden, Utah. It was a Friday night firework event because apparently it's Friday night fireworks every time on uh, when it comes to Rocky Mountain Vibes, and and from what I've read from the the uh, website as well. Both teams were battling for playoff spots. So uh, this, this game had a lot on the line. But there was even more on the line as well because it was a, it's called Rock, Rocky Mountain Vibes Family Night sponsored by Save the Storks and by another pro-life organization in the area. And guess what happened? Well, <laughs> you tell me. It's very interesting because apparently everybody was fine with the promotion. Tickets were selling very briskly. As a matter of fact, in addition to uh, the game, the Family Night event was also scheduled to feature a performance by contemporary Christian music artist Matt Hammett. Now, if you know Matt Hammett's name, you remember he was a guest with me on The Bottom Line a couple of years ago. He just published a book. Matt was the lead singer for a band called Sanctus Real, or my dad would say Sanctus Real, and that's the way we would sing it. Uh, Sanctus Real was a group of guys who had a, a band uh, for a good 20 years, had some hits, and it was right around the time that Matt and his wife 
had, uh, I think they had their third child, a uh, boy called Bowen. And uh, I remember going to the Harvest Crusade, Great Glory's event, probably back in 2009, 2009. And Matt had just written a song for his wife and for his kids called Lead Me. The whole point of the song, if you know the, the tune at all, is, um, and we'll have Tamara use that as bumper for the uh, coming in the next segment. The idea with the song was that Matt had gotten so kind of consumed with his career and being on the road, and which is kind of part and parcel with what you do if you're in music ministry, that he sensed his marriage was kind of taking it in the teeth. And he asked his wife what she really needed most from him. And she said, we just need you to lead us. Lead me, lead our kids, lead our family, be that guy, be here and do that. And it really made him rethink his priorities. Um, add to that the fact that Matt also was the, now the father of a young boy, a boy called Bowen, who was diagnosed with a life-threatening heart defect. And this happened 19 weeks along in the womb. So all of a sudden, Bodo, uh, Bowen was born with what they called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. It just literally meant the left side of his heart was underdeveloped. They told the Hammonds that once Bowen was born, he would have to have open heart surgery to correct it. The doctors told Matt and his wife that uh, kids with this condition don't typically have a, a long life expectancy. Well, that was in November 2010 when the boy was diagnosed in utero. And then Good Morning America did a story on him in, in November when he had his first open heart surgery. He's had three. Well, Bowen is still very much with us. And Matt had written a song for his son called All of Me, talks about his uncertainty about what it would be like, you know, when God is giving you this gift of life, but you really don't know how long, based on what the doctors have said, you're going to have the child. Now, fast forward, we're here in August of 2022, and Bowen was scheduled to make the appearance with Matt. I mean, so what a great time, right? I mean, this is a guy, he's a singer, he's an author. He and his son have this incredible story. They were going to do the song at the event. Who wouldn't want that? for a family night event. Well, apparently the call of Rocky Mountain Vibes didn't want it because hours before the opening pitch, not weeks, not days, hours before the opening pitch, the Rocky Mountain Vibes canceled family night. Just pulled the plug on it for no real apparent reason other than a couple of statements that we'll get to on the other side of this break. So we're going to do a little analysis, balance, and clarity of what happened, what's going on here, and what all of this actually means. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits, and inflation benefits all at the same time. You know, I had a client come in this morning, and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. I said, you've got an account right now that's one-dimensional. It's paying you 6% for the next three years, and that's the one dimension it has. I said, 4D money has four dimensions. It'll pay you 4 to 6% a year, but it has three additional dimensions. Number one, it'll provide you with long-term care benefits. Number two, it'll provide you with permanent income benefits. And number three, it'll provide you with inflation benefits, all under the heading of 4D money. So when I explain these things to people, they say, well, you know, that sounds too good to be true. I said, I know, but we have got millions and millions of dollars of clients' money in these accounts, and it's in black and white. It's true. 
Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh doing a analysis, balance, and actually an analysis, balance, and clarity uh, segment here on the program. I get I get zinged a lot from people. <laughs> Sometimes I was going through a phase at one point where I was using, you know, since people will say history or, you know, uh, certain words with an H, the H has dropped in certain parts of the country. And so if you, some people would say a history lesson, other people would say an history lesson. And uh, someone is a humble servant, somebody else is an humble servant. And <laughs> somebody wrote me the nicest but longest email in the history of the show explaining why it's not an, but uh, you know, when it comes to an H and uh, you know, we, we could also go round and round on whether or not someone graduates from college or someone graduates college. Uh, but nonetheless, so I, that was just a little fun little aside. Matt Hammett of Sanctus Real uh, and the author of a really great book that we've featured here on the Bottom Line Show was scheduled to be part of a family night event for the Rocky Mountain Vibes independent baseball team in Colorado Springs. And then all of a sudden the event was canceled. What happened is really kind of frustrating when you get right down to it. The, the, I mean, the, the idea that the team would just basically cancel the event hours before tip-off. Uh, tip I wouldn't say tip-off or kick-off. Before the first pitch, it's a baseball game. The Colorado Springs community really stepped up. Diane Ferraro is president of Save the Storks. And by the way, if you're a Save the Storks fan, if you listen to my colleague John Rush on KLZ uh, every weekday, John's been going crazy with this story. I think they're going to have more Save the Storks people on. Maybe Matt Hammett will be back on on Rush to Reason tonight. So yeah, I realize for our Southern California or Northern California listeners, uh, if you ever want to listen to what John does on his program, go to uh, rushtoreason.com. You can go to uh, KLZ's website as well. Uh, just find the Apple podcast. It's streaming there. And uh, listen to how John's been handling this because, of course, you know, it just drives him nuts that uh, you know a, a, an organization like Save the Storks that has sponsored the Bottom Line Show in the past, that is sponsoring Rush to Reason at present. They may come back and sponsor Bottom Line Show again. You never can tell. But um, when it comes to um, a group event, Dan Ferraro, who's the president of Save the Stork, says, look, my heart is broken that our friend Matt Hammett and his son Bowen have now been uninvited to perform at, this was last Friday, at tonight's game. Both are beautiful artists whose own work includes supporting families. Now, typically, when an event like this happens, it's because the, the organization is a business. We get it. I mean, it's really great when your favorite baseball team or basketball team or football team says, we're going to have a faith and family day. And you can buy tickets at a discount, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you know they're giving us the worst seats, right? And they're also picking a day where they haven't sold a lot of tickets. I, I just want to break that down. No, no one's deceiving ourselves. We don't get right behind home plate. And there's a ceremonial first pitch that no one's there for anyway, right? That's just kind of the way it works. But still, we get pictures and it makes us feel good. But it also helps them because they sell tickets. Bottom line, when your favorite amusement park has a contemporary Christian music day, they want you to buy tickets and buy popcorn and buy uh, those green fluorescent things that you wear around your neck. And they, they just want you to have fun but to spend money. And, and I know this because for years in Christian music radio, I was the guy that the local amusement parks would call and say, hey, we're thinking of having these bands here. Do you think we'll sell tickets? Do you think that's that's what they were looking for? I mean, yeah, you hope that someone in the organization supports your values, but they want to sell tickets. And for the family day, I, and I should 
qualify this. Typically, this event would have been called a Faith and Family Day. It was just called Family Day. The faith component wasn't even a part of it. Save the Storks is an organization that's committed to the sanctity of human life, and regardless of where you are in your faith journey, they want you to participate with helping to save the lives of innocent children in the womb. Full stop. A typical event at Rocky Mountain Vibes baseball games would sell an extra 1,000 seats if they did Kiwanis Night or local Rotary Night or Little League Afternoon or you know one of those gimmicks that they used to sell tickets. This event had sold 3,000 tickets because people in the local... Well, come on. <laughs> when Colorado Springs, about 30 years ago, decided to do what they could, they offered tax incentives, they offered all sorts of different breaks for uh, ministries to move. Remember Focus on the Family packed up and left Arcadia and went to, well, they were they went Arcadia, then they went Pomona, and then they went to Colorado Springs. So many ministries went to Colorado Springs because of the tax advantages and the labor costs and the housing was cheaper. Literally, it was dubbed in our Christian media world, we called it the New Jerusalem. That's how many organizations were going there, right? So doing a Faith and Family Night in Colorado Springs shouldn't be hard to sell. And on a typical event at Rocky Mountain Vibes game, they would sell 1,000 tickets. For this one, they sold 3,000 tickets. And this is minor league baseball, brothers and sisters. This is independent league baseball. This is beer can and Chico's bail bonds. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's fun. It's where you've got the teams that got those the, – the, uh, the Angels have a double-A or single-A affiliate in Rapid City, South Dakota. They are the Rapid City Trash Pandas. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So the Rocky Mountain Vibes having this event, fantastic. But the fact that this is a nonprofit organization that was designed to help people, well, does it have anything to do with the fact that University of Colorado Health is the sponsor of the stadium? The Vibes play their games at UC Health Park. Do you think that maybe it was an oversight? Family day, sure, no problem. Matt Hammett, who's he? Christian Rice, ah, no big deal. Save the Storks, that's kind of a goofy name. What does that come about? Oh, wait, they're a pregnancy resource center? They're a crisis pregnancy center? They're a place where a woman who is considering an abortion, perhaps, might go and get an ultrasound and a pregnancy test and information about adoption and help for finding education and housing and, you know, we don't want that. We're an abortion clinic. Oh, excuse me. We're UC Health. And we do offer reproductive care and abortive care for women. But these people aren't licensed. And these people... Are you kidding me? Now, trust me. I worked with Save the Storks about seven years ago. Bottom line show. We did two events. When we started working with Save the Storks back in 2015... They came to us and asked us if we thought we could raise enough money for them to put an ultrasound machine on one of their mobile stork buses. The bus costs $125,000. I'm just being honest with you. Typically what they do to get things rolling is they'll have an organization come up with a $40,000 down payment. This is a few years ago, so the numbers may have gone up. These buses are brand new. They don't take some old refurbished school bus out of a scrap heap. These are brand new Mercedes Sprinter type buses. They're gorgeous. They can easily handle a couple different patients and a staff. Save the Storks bus are st- buses are staffed by MDs and nurses and nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, people who will volunteer their time to do qualified ultrasounds 
and pregnancy tests. And the tests are free and the ultrasounds are free. So UC Health that also performs abortion and gets a lot of money for doing so and does transgender surgeries and stuff like that, maybe they're a little bugged that say the storks might be taking customers from them, taking money out of their pocket. Is that part of the problem? Or maybe, just maybe, you can make sense of this statement from the rap, uh, excuse me, the Rocky Mountain Vibes. When Save the Storks wrote last Friday on their social media, quote, we were just informed by the Vibes management that they cannot allow our pro-family nonprofit ministry to be a sponsor. Our sponsorship and support of this game has helped triple the average ticket sales to more than 3,000, clearly showing that the Colorado Springs community fully stands behind this night. The Vibes then gave an interview to Fox News Channel, and here's what they said, quote, while we value all our sponsors and ticket holders, they do not make decisions regarding the nature of our post-game entertainment or groups that come out to our stadium to raise awareness for their causes. The Vibes made this decision after seeing the proposed assets from the partner in question because they felt that the partner would hinder the team's mission in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. Did you hear that, brothers and sisters? A pro-life pregnancy resource center, a Christian artist who supports finding cures for diseases that kids are born with that are treatable in the womb, life-saving medical procedures that the left is always crowing about, how much they love them. Matt Hammett brings his son Bowen with him, who was diagnosed at 19 weeks in the womb with a left heart valve condition that could have been fatal and should have given him a very short shelf life. And now the boy is 12 and was going to appear with him as a medical miracle. And the Rocky Mountain vibes say that doesn't match our value statement. That would hinder the team's mission in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. They didn't raise the prices. They're not being charged extra to come to this game. They're going to get a game that's got playoff implications. There's a fireworks show after a noted and noteworthy Christian author and singer performs a beautifully breathtaking song about his uncertainties of raising a child with a medical condition like Bowen's. And Save the Storks will hand out resources that say if you need Uh, any counseling with regard to this. If you want to see an ultrasound of your yet-to-be-born child, if you want a free pregnancy test, come to us. And that got in their way of their mission and values. It's no longer a fun event. What other fun events have they had for the Rocky Mountain vibes that we might find offensive? I'll talk about that on the other side of this break. The bottom line continues. Here at K-Bright, we are proud to recommend Stephanie and Jim Cover of Cover Law because they take such good care of their clients. I was coming home. It was like two days before Christmas. And I was sitting at the bottom of a hill and somebody just came smashing into me. Like they didn't even break or anything. They were coming down a steep hill. The people that hit me had no insurance, no license, no proof of anything. I had a lot going on in my life at the, at the time. I was busy at work. I was doing a lot of overtime. My husband came down with cancer. That was really a hard point in my life for my husband and I. She was by my side trying to help me through the accident and giving me personal support and telling me to keep the faith. And I was all ready like to, you know, throw in the towel. And she she just kept me going. They're just hardworking people. They know their stuff. They're very educated. They make you feel comfortable. They stick with you all the way. I used them as attorneys. Now they're friends. 
and once in a while I'd tease them. Do I need to get in trouble so I could retain you guys? <laughs> I'd do anything to help those guys. I highly recommend them. I mean, I haven't had need for an attorney before, and I fell into the right hands. In the event of an accident, call Cover Law right away, 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Analysis, balance, and clarity segment as we're talking about why the Rocky Mountain Vibes baseball team would cancel the family night event last Friday because the family night event included Christian musician Matt Hammett of Sanctus Real, uh, guest on the Bottom Line show a couple of years ago, uh, family man, pro-life advocate. He and his wife started the Whole Hearts Foundation after their son Bowen was diagnosed with a rare life-threatening disorder at 19 weeks in the womb. Bowen, I'm happy to say, is now nearly 12 years of age and was going to appear with his dad at this event. But once the Vibes took a look at the, as they called it, the assets, in other words, the things that saved the storks were going to bring to the game, along with a local pro-life group, at UC Health Field, then the tongue started wagging. Well, what's going on? Why did they cancel this event just hours before the game? They typically sell 1,000 extra seats on a special promotion day. This one they sold 3,000 tickets for, and they're going to refund all the money. Well, I want to look at what some of the other promotions that they do uh, at the game. Minor league teams are notorious for this. Tuesdays, all season long, $2 Tuesdays. $2 tickets. Okay, fine. Wednesday... Wager Wednesday and Wager Wednesdays are um, basically you get in one of those cash cube things and money goes spinning around. Kind of harmless. By the way, Campfire Marshmallows sponsors their stuff. And so the uh, uh, the Vibes mascot is a s'more. It's a marshmallow head with two graham crackers on either side, a flame on his on the top and uh, chocolate on the inside. Now, Thursdays, this is where it really gets interesting. We can't have the pro-life Christian family group there on a Friday night, but Thursdays are Thirst Day Thursdays. You know, we have everyone Wednesdays here on the bottom line. Thirst Day Thursdays, $2 domestic drafts, $3 craft beers. Friday night for fireworks. Sunday is Salute the Military Appreciation Day. And Saturday, Saturday night is a theme night. I thought, well, maybe because they didn't do it on a Saturday. They kind of messed that up. But it's very clear that the left is afraid of the family, afraid of our Christian faith, and afraid of the pro-life community. Now, what? that's the question. What's the solution? Well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to picket and protest, and, you know, that's their right to do. In the body of Christ, though, may I present to you the possibility that we might have a more excellent way to take a look at the world that we're in right now from a biblical perspective and ask the question, how can we as Christians continue to flourish in the midst of the fear and the deception that are all around us that have so many people outside the Christian faith looking at us like we're the problem when in all honesty, we have the answer. And the answer is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Pastor and author Alan Jackson addresses this issue in a brand new book of his. It's called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. On the other side of this break, Alan Jackson's going to join me to talk about that. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. 
Well, welcome to this Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marks. I say welcome for the entire network who is joining us today as we got all all the stars aligned, as they like to say, uh, from 3.30 to 4 o'clock Pacific time for the live broadcast of the Bottom Line Show uh, that's heard on all of our affiliates in all 31 markets that we're in now. Um, but then also uh, for those who want to hear the entire 90 minutes of this, if you only get a chance to listen to this half hour because this is when you get a chance to listen to. Remember, there's full 90 minutes available to you at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, I think, has us. You can also go to myhopenow.com and see video of some of the interviews that we've done in recent weeks, um, in recent, uh, recent days, as a matter of fact, about one that's coming up in a half hour or so is one that we have video for as well. Um, kicking off this half hour, though, with a special conversation about what's happening in the culture right now and why it's important for us to, as Christians to understand the times that we're in. It is a time of fear and deception, and yet it is a time when we can be flourishing. The Rocky Mountain vibes notwithstanding. And if you didn't hear the first half hour of the Bottom Line Show, make sure you go back and hear the podcast of my analysis, balance, and clarity of the Colorado baseball team that decided to basically give the middle finger to the pro-life community. I mean, I can't think of a more a less a more polite way to, or appropriate way to say it. They said, forget it. We don't we don't care about you. We don't care about your values. But this is the world we're living in right now. And Pastor Alan Jackson has a brand new book to help us navigate these waters. I'll calm down a little bit. Let's get into that conversation right now. Well, it is no secret that we are living in some rather challenging times. Uh, there's been a cultural drift away from God, away from Scripture, and quite frankly, away from the truth. And not only has it gotten to the point where that is the issue, but then add to it that people are doubling down, it seems, on their level of sinful behavior. And what do we do? as Christians. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're not going to be able to solve all of the world's problems because we don't have quite enough time, but we're going to get to a few of them anyway, based on a brand new book written by pastor and author Alan Jackson. The book is called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Alan Jackson has served as senior pastor at World Outreach Church since 1989. Under his leadership, the church has grown from less than 30 people to more than 15,000 people. Um, he has been uh, encouraging countless people through Alan Jackson Ministries, as well as through books like this brand new one. Pastor Alan Jackson, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show today. Thank you, Roger. It's good to be with you again. Yeah, likewise, especially when I saw that you had a book out and it was called Big Trouble Ahead. I thought, well, you know, the good news is if Alan Jackson's writing a book called Big Trouble Ahead, that means he knows what the solution is, too. So is that a huge, sweeping, overarching uh, statement to make. No pressure, Pastor Alan Jackson, on how do we plan for flourishing in a time of big trouble. But talk about, I mean, I can imagine where you're coming from from this, but for our listeners, talk about why you felt this book was so important right now. Well, it started with the, the total surprise of the pandemic and COVID-19. Mm -hmm. I think we were all caught off guard in many ways. That first message was, you know, go home for two weeks and flatten the curve and we'll go back to normal. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take very long till we realized we weren't going back to normal. And then it didn't take much longer, I think, and we understood that the real problems we faced weren't a virus from Wuhan, China. <laughs> and now we're 30 months into it, and we're not afraid of COVID so much these days. But, you know, lawlessness has exploded. Our southern borders are open. Violence is escalating in frightening ways. The economy's in the blender. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening. And so COVID's not our real problem, but we've got real problems. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need a solution to that. The CDC is not going to lead us through. Apparently, right. the FBI is not going to lead us through the Justice <laughs> yeah. Department. So we need to know how to navigate this season. And that was the point of this book and the, the messages from my friends. 
The book for Pastor Alan Jackson is called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I appreciate, Pastor Alan Jackson, the fact that you take us from square one here in this book, uh, working through the issues that we're all basically kind of giving words to the emotions that so many people are feeling. Namely, as you just mentioned, that laundry list of all the uh, alphabet organizations that are letting us down. Our nation has experienced an erosion of trust. The Christians who live in this nation have also experienced that perhaps even more. Talk about why it's important for the church to take a good, hard, honest assessment, not only at the fact that we've been shaken up by what we've seen over the past, I'll say two to five years, but we've also kind of been exposed in many ways. I couldn't agree more, Roger. I think this season has exposed the church. We were worshiping at the altars of comfort and convenience. Mm-hmm. And I think we thought that we could secure our futures or that our futures were secured by the stability of the systems in which we were living yeah. until they weren't any longer stable. You know, we have a loss of trust because we we awaken to the reality that things we put our trust in were not trustworthy. Now, I think the challenge for the Christian is is what we imagine the solution is. There's a desire in us to look through the windows of the church and say those people out there are the problem. They're too ungodly, they're too wicked, they're too immoral, they're too something. And if they would just change, we would be better. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's accurate. I think the real root of the problem is the hearts of those of us who gather in the church. Mm. God will move heaven and earth to bring about his purposes if his people will fully align their hearts with him. Amen. So Our problem isn't the ungodly, it's the condition of the hearts of those people who imagine themselves to be God's people. And because of that, an election is not going to fix us. Right. The solution is not a new politician or a new a change of who's in the White House or who's in Congress. If, if we don't have a change of heart, we'll keep putting worse and worse characters in there. And mm-hmm. so it's an exciting time because I believe God can respond. And we're not powerless. I think we're at the center of the story. But it's an easy time to be distracted. And I, that, again, that's the purpose for the book, to try to help the people recognize the tremendous influence they do have and encourage them to choose to seek the Lord. Pastor Alan Jackson making some bold statements to share with us today here on The Bottom Line. They're from his new book called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You uh, address the issue of the, that a lot of people have been discussing and maybe even arguing about or just flat out disagreeing about in the culture within the church. I have George Barna as a regular contributor here on The Bottom Line Show and the American Worldview inventory that he's been releasing for the past couple of years, you know, from the election through the pandemic. It's been giving us some pretty staggering, if not frightening insight with regard to how many people in the body of Christ hold a biblical worldview and how many people in the body of Christ even know what a biblical worldview is. Talk about why it's so important for us to have a truly biblical worldview, not from the legalistic standpoint. I mean, you don't go too hard on us in the book, Big Trouble Ahead, but the fact that just understanding, well, we all know, we all know becomes the most dangerous three-word phrase in the English language. Yes. Well, worldview, you know, simply is just the filter through which you see and interpret the thing that's, things that are happening around you. It's the values you, the values you adopt and that you use to interpret your life choices. And as Christ followers, that's not optional. We have to adopt a biblical worldview, a Judeo-Christian worldview. That's what it means to call Jesus Lord. He gets to establish the priorities. He establishes what truth is. All truth is not subjective. 
because we're Christ followers and we have God's Word, we believe there is actually objective truth. There is right and wrong, that God defined what family is. God defined marriage. God identified our genders. He didn't give that to us to choose. And, you know, those things coming together begin to give us a way to look at the world and understand our world. We can do it with compassion and grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be angry or belligerent or condemning, but that's our filter. Now, tragically, we have been in the church, and we really haven't been cultivating that biblical worldview. You know, we've been asking one another, how do you feel about this, and what do Mm -hmm. you think, or Mm -hmm. what what will gain us approval with the broader culture or expand our social opportunities? And in so doing, we really stepped away, I think, from a great deal of our faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, Pastor Alan Jackson is hitting the nail right on the head today for us here on the Bottom Line Show. And his brand new book, Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception, is a must read, especially for these perilous times that we're living in. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a quick break. And as we continue, we're going to take a look at a couple of the uh, cultural phenomena that have happened uh, during the pandemic and how we in the church are trying to embrace the new culture and understanding, well, okay, these are all away games for us from here on out until the Lord returns. So how do we move more nimbly? How do we move more proactively? But most importantly, how do we move more biblically? More of my conversation with Pastor Alan Jackson in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Pastor Alan Jackson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, uh, chatting with us from Nashville, where he has served as senior pastor of World Outreach Church since back before 1990, a church he founded when you were six or seven years of age. Pastor Alan, is that when you started that church? My eighth birthday. It was just the right. Last <laughs> I see these little kids on TikTok going up there preaching and mimicking, going, "Wow, he's four years old. He's really good. I gotta, I gotta go back and do more study." Um, World Outreach Church has uh, grown from less than thirty people to more to fifteen thousand. How did the pandemic impact your congregation? I know I probably asked you that every time during the pandemic, but now that we're in endemic mode, uh, were you invigorated? Did you see a huge gain, a big loss? How did it impact your church? Well, initially, it was frightening. You know, I had rather arrogantly said that there was nothing that would ever cause us to close the church, you know, not Mm -hmm. snowstorms or tornadoes or whatever, and we'd pretty much lived through that until we found ourselves closed because we had an intruder that we didn't understand, and they said millions of us could die, and we had a responsibility to the community. And so for six weeks, we closed the doors, and then we said, you know, we just can't do this. If it was a true pandemic, Christians could not have sheltered in place. We would have had to gone out and served the sick. Right. right. That, that's our assignment. So after six weeks, we said, this isn't going to work. We got an outdoor stage and a video truck out of Nashville and kind of tentatively started gathering groups of people. And it, it was so transformational. And then we realized that the messaging we were being given was not perhaps as accurate as it, as it might be. And now it wasn't about fear any longer. It was what was appropriate courage. Mm -hmm. We didn't Mm -hmm. want to be foolish or foolhardy or arrogant, but we wanted to lead God's people in a way that made sense for families. Right, right. And we've been taking it one week at a time since then. And I can tell you, 30 months later, the congregation that we we serve more people on a weekly basis than we've ever served. Mm. The people who are here are far more committed. They're more anxious to be engaged and involved. You know, we haven't passed an offering plate in 30 months. That's one thing I thought I would never say. Mm-hmm. And yet the church continues to flourish. So there are many things about how we practice our, our gatherings week to week that are different. 
mm-hmm. but the vitality and the vibrancy of the church and the people that are gathering with us are unprecedented in the years I have served. So it's a mm-hmm. hopeful time mm-hmm. in the midst of the violence and the darkness and the deception and the craziness. God is moving. You know, where you focus your attention is so important. If you spend two or three hours a day listening to news reports or online chasing your favorite conspiracy theorist, <laughs> it will, it's, it's yeah. overwhelming. Right. You know, you need 10 or 15 minutes a day to keep up with current events. But beyond that, spend your time thinking about what God is doing and how you can lead with your faith. Right, right. Start at right. your have the courage to talk about biblical things with the people you're doing life with. And if you can, if you have that courage, then go to the ball fields where your kids are playing or your grandkids. And while you watch mm-hmm. a soccer game or a baseball game, talk to those people that you're sharing some life with about what you think about current events and a biblical worldview. And, you know, your discretionary time, spend it with people that you can encourage in the faith. Let's start acting like Christians instead of pagans that sit in church occasionally. Mm. Wow, that'll <laughs> that'll preach it. I know you know that, Pastor Alan Jackson. But you know, when you were describing that whole you know relationship that we have with the culture right now, and you know, have, having strength and courage and hope, which is one of the things you write about. I thought about a phrase that we've been using in our household. My wife and I, it's our second marriage, and we've been married for just a little under three years. And when we first got married, we got married, went on our honeymoon, came back home, and then the world shut down. So I'm sorry if you're going to blame that on us. Go right ahead. We must have brought something back from Hawaii, and that set the whole ball rolling. To shut down the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it didn't take a lot to shut down the whole world when you look back at the you know, origins of the Wuhan virus, but that's for another conversation. You know, the idea, though, the uh, that one of the expressions that Lisa and I use in our devotional time is we, we there's so many things going on. We have six kids between the two of us. We've got, you know, careers and ministry and everything that we're doing. But one of the things that we pray for, the, the way we, you know, what, what we want to hear the still small voice of the Spirit saying to us is Jesus saying, eyes on me. And that's, that's basically where we bring all of our prayers back down to. And when I saw your chapter on eyes on the prize, I thought, oh my goodness, we're, we're tracking here. Talk about why it's so important for us now more than ever before in the church to understand what's really real and to not prize the things that the world does the way uh, so many times, as you mentioned, we got a lot of pagans who show up and sit in church a couple times a month. Yeah, I've been in that group. Well, you're right, and it's so easy. The messaging that cascades over us every day, for the overwhelming majority of that, is generated from a worldly perspective. So the values that we're told that should be important to us, the things that we should chase, the way we understand our families and how we should make our priorities, typically those are not being messaged out of a biblical worldview. And so when you start to make godly choices, you feel as if you're on the outside. And there's often not a lot of affirming voices. So I think recognizing, you know, when Paul said it a little differently, he said, there's one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. I'm going to, I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to press ahead towards what I've been called to in Christ yeah. Jesus. Yes. And he said, all the things that were my, to my prophet, all the things on my resume, he said, I consider those a loss. And he goes through a pretty extensive list of achievements and accomplishments. And he said, you know, those really aren't that important to me any longer. I want to know Christ and the the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. It's Philippians 3. You can check me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what God's asking us to do. It's, it's, it's a gift. I promise you, COVID is a grace gift to realign our priorities. We were drifting in the wrong direction. Not the first generation to do that. No shame. And I think it's a mistake to automatically say it's the end of the world because we find ourselves in a dark place. I think what it is is an opportunity for a course correction. Mm-hmm. so that God can bring us back to center and we can see a new kind of fruitfulness. Our children and grandchildren will be the beneficiaries 
Amen. We have an opportunity if we have the courage. Yes. Yes, and there, therein lies the rub. Pastor Alan Jackson, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Alan, you title the book Big Trouble Ahead. I know oftentimes we in the body of Christ like to get encouragement from our pastoral staff by saying, okay, I've overcome this and now you can too. Um, the title of the book, though, gives me an indication that we are headed for what might considered to be trouble by people in the world. What is the real plan for flourishing when so many Christians are saying, hey, I'm just glad we survived COVID? Yeah. Well, the, the, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, describes the great tribulation, and the street language for tribulation is big trouble. Mm. So whether this is the end of the age or it's just the end of our age, we're going to have to navigate some trouble. But here, the good news is that if we have the appropriate foundation, Jesus is the cornerstone. And then we build on that with some essential foundational teachings from Scripture. Then no matter what the world systems do, we have a foundation that enables us to flourish. Jesus taught us that. It's the parable of the house that's built on the sand or the house that's built on the rock. And we have, I think, falsely imagined we could secure our futures with our retirement plan or with the Bill of Rights or with the Constitution or with the political party we prefer. And all of those things are being exposed as a little less than stalwart. And we've got to come back and really put a trust, put our trust in those things that we have said. We have to orchestrate a trust transfer in the church. We've put our trust in the same things the world's been trusting in. And then we realized they weren't stable. So if we can come back with a little humility and say, Jesus, you know, I really haven't counted on you. I wanted you to help me with eternity, but I wanted to manage my life. Mm -hmm. And if we'll come back and really surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, we serve at his pleasure. Every Amen. day is a gift from him. It's not my time or my calendar or my money or my dream, or I'm not a Christ follower. Right. I serve at his pleasure. My days are his. My resources are his. My calendar is his. That's awkward, but that's the reality, and I'm trying to learn to live that in a new way. And if I may add to what Pastor Allen just shared about his book, Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception, as many of us are saying, wait, but money, uh, security, but the, these are things I like. May I point out, Pastor Allen, Dave Ramsey endorsed this book, did he not? He did. <laughs> and he didn't buy a copy with a credit card, I promise. <laughs> Not at all. But you can get it with your point Merrick bank card, that's for sure. Um I, I love the fact <laughs> I, I love the fact that this is such a uh, this is such a real book, Pastor Alan Jackson. I mean the fact that you acknowledge where we are in the culture and love us enough to say to the church what the church needs to hear in a time where it does it's not shamey, it's not finger pointy whatsoever. It's just biblical right and true. And that's what we strive to present here on the Bottom Line Show. Last 60 seconds of our conversation with Pastor Alan Jackson about his brand new book, Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. Uh, I, the question I would have you address is the fact that my Bible still says, we were talking about verses that are still in scripture, um, <laughs> haven't been taken out yet. My Bible still says John 13, 34, and 35 is Jesus saying, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Everyone will know outside the church that you are my church if you inside my church love one another. Talk about why unity is so important, but that we are really stronger together in the body of Christ. And the last thing we should be doing in these last days is 
sniping each other and arguing with each other and trying to, you know, win petty fights on social media with each other? Yeah, we, we I think Patrick Hendrick said it perhaps in a way that's helpful. He said, we'll either hang together or we will hang separately. Mm. It was mm-hmm. true in the American Revolution, and it's true today. If you and I can disagree on a point and we can still both go to heaven, I will extend you a hand of fellowship. Amen. So we may have a difference opinion on what kind of grape juice to use for communion or whether we're pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib or no-trib. But, you know, if we can disagree and it doesn't affect our eternal destiny, we've got to stop the self-righteous, arrogant squabbling. On the other hand, there's some things we can't negotiate away. The uniqueness of Jesus, he's the incarnate son of God, the virgin birth, his physical death, his resurrection. Those aren't up for reevaluation. Those are essential to our redemptive story. And we've got to have the wisdom to know the difference and then stand together with one another. Your worship style may reflect your personality, but it does not reflect whether you're holy or not. Hmm. So the church has got to grow up a little bit, which is a wonderful thing. We're going to get to mature. God can trust us with new assignments. It's an exciting time. Don't let the turmoil in the world diminish your enthusiasm for your faith. God has called us to be salt and light and to make a difference. I think we'll see the greatest moving of his spirit that our generation has ever known. Amen. Amen. And this book can be a real fire starter in your church to ignite that flame and help it burn bright as a source of light and warmth and heat in a culture that is darkening uh, by the minute. Pastor Alan Jackson, the brand new book is called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Alan Jackson, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending time with us today here on The Bottom Line. Roger, it's always a privilege to be with you. Keep doing the good work. Well, great, uh, much-needed clarity from Pastor Alan Jackson today here on The Bottom Line. Again, the book is called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we can be gracious. I mean, there's a little righteous indignation we do share when something like what happened in, uh, with the baseball game and Matt Hammett and the Save the Storks concert. With, with that type of stuff, we can be very frustrated. We can be very passionate, but we can also understand that we're living in some strategic times right now, and for such a time as this, God has placed us here. Alan Jackson's book will help you navigate those waters. It's called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We've got a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com, and not one, not two, but three copies of this book to give away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. My thanks again to Pastor Alan Jackson for the time uh, that we rather (laughs) providentially had to talk about his brand new book. The book just came out last week. It's called Big Trouble Ahead, A Real Plan for Flourishing in a Time of Fear and Deception. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away three copies of the book right now, 800-227-5278. Let's keep Teresa busy today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's funny, I, I noticed that on days when we have more than one copy of a book or a movie or something like that to give away, we always get more phone calls. <laughs> it's like people think, oh, I've got a chance at winning this. Give her a call. This is a book that you need to, because as Pastor Allen and I were discussing, and I'm honored that he's going to borrow my phrase, um, for Christians in America, we have always thought of this country as a Christian nation founded on biblical principles. We know there are those who would beg to differ, and the more history we know, the better we can actually make that statement as it pertains to the situation that we're living in now. But the idea is, if you look at the American history, anybody can pick a certain point 
You know, you could say it's Christopher Columbus. You could say it's slave traders. You could say it's Leif Erikson in North America. I mean, you could take a look at all of North American history and say a couple things. First of all, there's a very strong possibility that when someone got here to discover this land, somebody else was already here, and there was some kind of violence involved in, you know, somebody taking over someone else. The church's role, and this is where we could be very strategic, I think. I think the church's role is to say, look, we came here for religious liberty. We're here to work with people, not against people. We are here to bring values that make the culture better. And as we finally get to the point where we recognize, I use the phrase away games a lot, because I think for many of us in the church, we've looked at Christianity as a home game. You know, I'm a Christian and I belong to this church and my church is great and, and we do good things for the community, so therefore everybody should love what we do. Instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, okay, why don't we take the position as a missionary saying, someone else was here before me, that's fine. I'm not going to come in and intrude upon you, but let me, Paul uh, wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, let me show you a more excellent way. You know, and if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong, a crashing cymbal. Starts the whole thing off telling the Corinthian church, look, it doesn't matter how right you are if you aren't loving and caring. And loving and caring means you care enough about people to say, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because you're a sinner and you haven't received Christ yet or that you don't go to my church or whatever. I want to show you the error of your way and let you know that there is a way to remedy that. And if we take the position as missionaries, even in our own country, instead of just taking for granted, well, I'm an American and this is a Christian nation and everyone should think like I do, I think we're going to have a lot more success in fulfilling the Great Commission, which is going to all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. So Pastor Alan Jackson gets it, and that's why this book is so important. Big Trouble Ahead, a real plan for flourishing in a time of fear and deception. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. We've got uh, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. And don't forget Bottom Line Show Extra tonight at 7 on KCBC, AM 770 and FM 94.7. Um, for those who remain on the network, we're going to revisit a conversation I had with Shannon Bream of Fox News, newly minted as the uh, heir apparent to take over Fox News Sunday. And what a great uh, opportunity that is for Shannon. We're going to talk about mothers and the daughters, and mothers and daughters of the Bible speaking out her brand new book coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to the special edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, final Monday for August 2022. And recently there was a special announcement made over at the Fox News Channel that Fox News Sunday, which had been hosted by Chris Wallace, and they hadn't chosen a replacement since he moved over to CNN Plus and spent six glorious weeks of his life there. But Shannon Bream, the host of the Fox at Night uh, news program, is now going to be the host as well of Fox News Sunday. And it's a huge opportunity for her and for our sister in Christ. And so in honor of that recognition, I want to revisit a conversation we had with her when her latest book came out, uh, The Mothers and the Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. We've got a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. Here's my conversation with Shannon Bream of Fox News here on The Bottom Line. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show, uh, one of the most trusted voices in all of American uh, politics and reporting and this, that, and the other thing. It's Shannon Bream, who is the author of the number one New York Times bestselling book, The Women of the Bible Speak. She's the anchor of Fox News at Night, chief legal correspondent for Fox News Channel, and has a brand new book out on this very same theme of mothers and daughters and their stories in terms of faith and family. The new book is called The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speaks, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Shannon Bream, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. 
Thank you for having me. Great to be with you again. What a great conversational topic to have, especially when you see survey after survey talking about the importance of family and faith and the role that family plays in faith. But especially when we see about so many fractured relationships in families where mothers and daughters aren't necessarily getting along per se, the mm -hmm. role of faith and family with mothers who speak into their daughters' lives is huge. And I think you've captured it brilliantly in this brand new book. Thank you so much. I mean, yes, no mother-daughter relationship is going to be perfect. I can say that as much as I adore my mom and have her on the highest pedestal, sure. uh, even I was a little bit of a stinker at times. Um, really? But she is still, and <laughs> yes, yes, trust me, just call her and she'll tell you. Um, but even in what was like a really good mother-daughter relationship, you know, we had our differences, but the one thing that really always was a bond with us was our faith. And I think that throughout the book, you can see that um, from mothers and daughters who were related by blood. Blood. Others who came together through family or through, um, you know, just kind of a chosen family situation. We think about Naomi and Ruth and mm -hmm. that mother and daughter-in-law um, who went through so much, so much tragedy, but stuck together and found great comfort in their relationship with each other and in their mutual relationship with God and their faith. Um, and we think about spiritual mothers and daughters. I included Elizabeth and Mary as well, mm -hmm. because you know, both of them found their, found themselves with these miraculous, uh, unexpected pregnancies. Elizabeth yeah. far after anybody thought she would have a baby, and Mary way before probably she was planning to have a baby. Um, but I love that God put them in that season together, and they walked through their pregnancies with John the Baptist and with Jesus, of course. So um, I think that those relationships uh, don't have to be by blood. We can We can find those around us, too, the spiritual mentors and mothers in our lives. I'm so glad you brought up the mentoring part and that kind of... Uh, uh... Uh, mother and daughter in spirit as well as in blood relationships because we see that more and more where there is kind of a fracture of sorts and and there's not the really great mother-daughter relationship and and there's so much emphasis in the culture right now on either making those relationships right or just cutting them off altogether because they're toxic uh, talk about some of these relationships there are nine of them you mentioned a couple of them here mm -hmm. in the brand new book the mothers and daughters of the bible speak uh talk about obviously there's there you have to go to moses because that relationship is so very very oh, strong yeah. between his sister and his mother. Uh, kind of give us an, a, a basic overview of like what that chapter looks like, how you lay that out in the book, because I would imagine there are a lot of women who are saying, this sounds like a great Bible study book to work through. Yeah, and it is, uh, because we do include study questions I wrote up for each relationship that you can work through. Um, That's one of the things I heard from so many people from the first book was that um, they enjoy doing it as a book group or a Bible study or on their own. I love study questions just to try to really help me root in what the lesson is, what God was doing, what it means. So we have those again. And we do start the book with Jochebed and Miriam, the mother and the sister of Moses. And I got to remind people, if you're familiar at all with the story, to remember that these were Hebrew women who were slaves. I mean, this was not a free people. They were oppressed by the Egyptians so much so that Pharaoh was intimidated by them because they were growing in number. And he said, listen, from now on, babies that are born to these women, if they're male, they've got to be thrown into the Nile, just killed. And I think about, I can't imagine being pregnant and having this horrendous worry about what your child was going to be and whether you would be asked to give them up and kill them, essentially. So we're told in the scripture when Moses is born through Jacobet that she, you know, his parents see something special and different in him, and you almost wonder if it was sort of a, a divine or spiritual destiny, but she had bravery to make the one choice she could kind of make in that situation that was against um, her oppressors was to, I'm going to have this baby, I'm going to keep him, and I'm going to raise him. 
And when it gets too uh, too late to hide him anymore, and he was crying and growing, she made a little baby pitched ark for him, almost a tiny little mini ark, and sent him out into the Nile River, the very place he was supposed to go to die. And he's discovered by Pharaoh's daughter, who hears him and has compassion on this crying baby. And little Miriam had gone along, his big sister, and she's kind of hiding out there. And she steps up as this little slave girl who, um, you know, would have been worth nothing to these people and put herself in danger and says, hey, if you need help raising him, I know a Hebrew woman who could nurse him and is able to run back with baby Moses to her mother and say, you know, we've got him now for a couple more years while you raise and wean him before he goes off to his destiny. It's amazing to hear this story again because of the fact that there is there are so many things that had to line up, so many things that had to work mm-hmm. perfectly. And when you mention the slavery aspect and whatever, the fact that these women encounter other women, all of a sudden it's a compassionate moment. Here's this poor baby, you know, and I'm going to take care of the baby. It's, it has nothing to do with the fact that, well, you're a slave and that baby shouldn't be alive anyway. I got him. I got him. Here's another one, you know, that we could kill. I love how God uses these women with stories of compassion. I'm talking with Shannon Bream today here on The Bottom Line about her brand new book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You mentioned Naomi and Ruth earlier, and they were dealing with a whole different set of circumstances than uh, Mary. Miriam and Jacobet were in terms of the slavery side. Now you're looking at women who are facing a patriarchal society, and they're mm-hmm. all widows for crying out loud. They're sitting there saying, what are we supposed to do? We don't really have any hope. Talk about why in the face of that adversity, the mother-daughter relationship that the two of them had, even though they aren't actually mother and daughter you know, by blood, why it's so important to understand. Yeah, and, and to start out, Naomi had left her country and her people because of a great famine. So she was on the run, a stranger in another land. While she and her husband there are there, their sons married two women. And it sounds like it must have been a good, happy relationship. But right. then tragedy strikes because not only does Naomi lose her husband, both of her sons die. So in that time, to not have a male provider financially would immediately throw you almost certainly into a situation of poverty for most right. women and most families then. But you also had no physical protector. So here are these three women that have only each other. And Naomi argues with the younger women saying, go, you can start a new family. Even if I had a son right now, you (laughs) wouldn't wait 18 years and then have kids with him. I mean, go and start your new family. They did not want to leave her. They were tearful. Finally, Orpah, her one um, daughter-in-law, goes to start a new life. But Ruth refuses to leave her. And those words you so often hear in marriage ceremonies, you know, don't make me turn from you or leave you. Your God will be my God. Your God will be my people. That was Ruth to Naomi. And it really is a bigger pledge maybe than we realized when we first crossed over it, because she literally left her family, everything they believed, embraced a whole new country, new people, and new God, most importantly. So together, these two women do live on the fringes of poverty and of society um, until we see God intervene in their story and this beautiful love story between Boaz and Ruth. And, you know, she winds up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And it's just a beautiful story of being faithful and, and protecting each other and choosing as women to bond together and make the best of your situation um, when Ruth could have walked away and started a new life without Naomi. Mm-hmm. And and quite frankly, I, I can hear the blame already starting to well up potentially. Ruth would have had a justifiable gripe. Hey, look, I married your sons and your sons are gone. I mean, it's bad enough that you're a mm-hmm. widow. But now, now so, so, what am I supposed to do? You know, I really don't have any hope. And the fact that she would place her faith and trust and say, well, okay, if your God is 
you're trusting him. I'm going to trust him too. And that bond really shows us how the family of God really works, not necessarily in blood, but in covenant with God first and foremost. And it's a, it's a really, really inspiring story. Shannon Bream is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Brand new book is called The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We only talk to Shannon Bream when our books are in the top 10. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but it is. This one, I mean, the, today is launch day. And as we are having this conversation, it's number eight on Amazon. Does that encourage you, Shannon Bream, that there are so many people outside the faith even? Because, I mean, I know it's not just all Christians who are buying this book. There are people who are saying, whoa, Shannon Bream, I recognize her from Fox News at night. I, I trust her. You know, she seems like a, tr a trustworthy person. And she's mm -hmm. written about these biblical characters. Talk about the kind of feedback you get from your books when you write about biblical topics. Yeah, I definitely hope that it will be people like me who grew up in church and grew up learning and knowing these stories. But gosh, I learned so much more about these women by digging in and researching them and come away feeling like I know them personally. I hope everybody um, who picks up the books will feel that way and feel encouraged yes. by that. But, you know, two people who may say, listen, I don't know anything about the Bible. They may find it intimidating. They don't go to church or say, I'm going to pick up, you know, First Samuel and start reading. Um, instead, I hope that this book may be something where they look at it and say, hey, this is a collection of stories. I can understand and relate to these women. And maybe through that, they will then um, be interested in pursuing God and learning more and picking up the Bible or um, talking to a friend or, you know, a pastor or checking out a church that would help them on that journey. Um, we, I, I got to tell you, I don't think any of us had any idea how much these books would resonate with people. So when the first one came out last year, um, I think it, 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 in some ways it must have struck a chord in that I wrote it during the worst first part of the pandemic. Mm. I was so encouraged by it that, you know, the idea of suffering and uh, women um, being strong and brave and fighting through horrible circumstances, including widowhood and for infertility, financial ruin, physical problems, all of that. Um, we could see how God was working through that, be reassured by his promises and his goodness. And for some reason, I think People needed that message of hope and encouragement, and they found it in the book. I think, well, it's a great one, and we'll put, put the link of for the women of the Bible Speak, as well as the mothers and daughters of the Bible Speak, as well. Both of them by Shannon Bream from Fox News Channel. We've got links for both books, as I mentioned, up at thebottomlineshow.com. And more of this conversation on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Shannon Bream is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. You recognize the voice. You recognize the name as the host of Fox News at night. And may I do a Proverbs 27 and brag on you a little bit? I mean, you guys continually dominate the ratings with your news reporting, mm -hmm. uh, even even in spite of the fact that it seems like pundits and people on the other side of the aisle uh, would, would want you to see you uh, fail. What, what does it do to your faith, Shannon Bream? We're going to talk about more about her book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, in just a moment. But I'm just curious. I don't think we've ever had this part of the conversation before. As a Christian, Christian woman, as a legal expert, as someone who is reporting the news every night and is trusted. I mean, people are putting their trust in you that you're going to steer them the right way. What's it like to take some of the criticisms and what is it like to know that God has you in this place for such a time as this? Well, I counted a great privilege, but also responsibility. Um, as you mentioned to our viewers, as part of the news division, um, I'm the straight down the middle, um, you know, bringing you all sides of the story, letting you make up your own mind about it and just getting you the facts. So I do feel a responsibility, my team does, to get that right, to be quick but accurate, and um, just to flesh things out for you so that you can decide, like I said, for yourself, how you feel about a particular issue if you want to dig around and get more of the story. Mm -hmm. um, we try to be there for you in that respect. And yeah, I think being in the media, there are going to be people who I would say 95% of or plus 
of what we hear is from people who are complimentary and are happy to be with us on this journey. Mm-hmm. And then you're certainly going to have critics who will say anything from attacks on your physical appearance to your work to anything else. And I think it just comes with the territory. I've gotten a much thicker skin, but more importantly, I know that this is all temporary, and sometimes I do make a mistake, and it's up to me. I need to correct that and get it right. But some of the criticism is just um, driven by people who aren't interested in us, um, you know, as a news outlet, but but strictly as a target, and mm. that's fine. I mean, that's you know, a free society has free speech, and I'm all for that. So yeah. you got to take the good with the bad in that respect. But you know what? It forces me to reset myself every day in God and His truth and the eternal view of things because. It's, believe me, you know, as a human being, it's easy to chase ratings and and approval and glory, and that's a dangerous dead end. So God will keep us humble, so let's not make him need to do that. I, I love that. And, and next thing you know, when something, someone says something and you're on stage at the Academy Awards trying to punch somebody out. So we, that's not going to happen with Shannon Breen. <laughs> it wraps you know us up sure. very quickly. It does. but it does, And, and that, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> well, the new book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons from on Faith from Nine Biblical Families, is just out today, and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Shannon, you and I were talking during the break about the fact that one of the things that you appreciate about what you've been doing in your research, digging deeper on these families, is the fact that oftentimes we see a book like this with a lovely cover. Color, a cover rather it's it's presented nicely in a christian bookstore maybe online and there's a tendency to think okay well these guys and these women had it all together everything was perfect for them and if i could just follow their example my life's going to be perfect too and as we were discussing during the break nothing could be further from the truth because the bible is pretty messy i mean and that's putting it mildly in some cases some of these stories have some of a, a messy aspect to them too don't they absolutely right and i take comfort in that because if you see some of the disastrous things that people have done, and again, this book is through the family lens and primarily parents and, and kids, um, they make some bad decisions. And that's something we can all relate to. Um, if, you know, the Bible is only perfect people, Jesus would be the only one in there. Uh, he and God and the Holy Spirit, and we're done. But he uses human beings like us who sin, who fall, who need forgiveness and need picked back up. Um, so I love that, that these stories are not all sanitized and perfect. These are families that have serious dysfunction. I mean, we we cover um, Saul and his daughter, Michael, in the book. And so she's desperately in love with David, who, you know, Saul views as a rival in many ways, but he sees a way to use his daughter to a sort of a bargaining block or positioning block and marries her off to David, knowing how much she actually loves David. Meanwhile, Saul is trying to kill David repeatedly, his own son-in-law. So if you think you have it bad with your in-laws, I promise you, you have nothing on what's going on in the Bible. So we can learn from the good and the faithful and the peaceful. But I think there's so many lessons to be drawn from, you know, those who've done things wrong. I don't think God would have included their stories if there wasn't an important lesson in every single one of them. I am so grateful to hear Shannon Bream make that statement because it does give us encouragement to know that there are some entangled entanglements in the Bible, and yet here we are as Christians and we can love God, we can follow His perfect way, and we can walk in the path of righteousness in a world that's filled with unrighteousness. The book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families, is up at thebottomlineshow.com, authored by Shannon Bream, who's my guest today here on Release Day, here on The Bottom Line Show. Was there any one of these pairings, and you mentioned uh, that you Saul and Michael. So there are obviously some other uh, family relationships in terms of fathers and daughters and mothers and sons that are in there. And I would imagine that next year we'll be talking about one of those as a whole book as this series becomes more <laughs> successful. But was there anyone that you thought you knew as 
better than you did. And then as you started digging in, you went, wow, I did not realize how messy, unfortunate, tense, glorifying this relationship was. You know what? I I thought about, I thought I knew a lot about Bathsheba because, you know, yeah. in Sunday school, you have a little flannel graph. You learn, like, <laughs> she's taking a shower or bathing herself. David sees her. They get together. They have this baby. And there's enormous judgment because David piles bad decision upon bad decision, sin upon sin. Right. And I'd always sort of been taught that during the context of that, you know, Bathsheba was this temptress and she knew what she was doing. But when you read the scripture, that's not what it says at all. I mean, David is very much the offender in this whole situation. But even going beyond that story, I forgot that Bathsheba is the mother of King Solomon. And mm. think about that, because we see a lot more of their relationship later on, how she helps him ascend to the throne. And we know that when God asked Solomon what he wanted, instead of saying, you know, riches and fame and all of these kingdoms and things, he wanted wisdom. And God said, not only am I going to give you that, because that's what you asked for, but all those other things as well. I mean, so he was described as the most wise man and king, certainly, that Israel had had. So Bathsheba did something right as a mother, and we see more of her relationship later on in the story with King Solomon, which is a part of the equation I'd forgotten. So I think we can look at Bathsheba as not this one-dimensional character that I sort of, you know, I had that impression of her even growing up studying the Bible and hearing the story, I just learned so much more about her and her mothering of King Solomon through this book. It's interesting when you mention that, because oftentimes we do put the lens and we kind of leave Bathsheba in the bathtub, basically. I mean, that's that's where yeah. she stays, and then she gets to get out and have a kid who isn't going to live. But if you look at Nathan's rebuke of David in that whole situation, mm -hmm. you see you, you, she really is exonerated. You know, I mean, she wasn't doing mm -hmm. anything to try to seduce him. David's supposed to be in the battlefield, and he's the one who's playing hooky. And next thing you know, as you mentioned, bad decision upon bad decision. And yet here we are today having a, a healthier conversation about her, about uh, the, the legacy that she left as a mother and how valuable it is to us today. Shannon Bream, the author of the brand new book called The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Shannon, we've got about 90 seconds left in our conversation together. There's a woman right now, maybe she's an adult daughter who's had kind of a tense relationship with her mom, or maybe she's having a hard time with her own young daughters who are coming of age in a world that we, uh, I know I had lunch with my son yesterday and he's uh, Gen Z and I'm a borderline boomer Gen X. And there were some things <laughs> where we were both looking at each other going, wow, I don't really fully understand your world the way I thought I did. Talk about how a book like this can really bridge the gap between generations, especially between mothers and daughters or grandmothers and moms. Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, our, our problems and our struggles over time are consistent. I mean, women in 2022 um, have those family uh, conflicts. They have infertility and widowhood and fleeing oppression, financial ruin and, and physical challenges, all those things. I think when we look at these women over the centuries and see that they dealt with that and God was in it and present working through their suffering, often periods where it seemed like he wasn't around at all, there was silence and they had to be patient. I mean, in every one of those situations, we see that God was there. And I think it reminds us that we have universal um, aches in our soul for things that come into our lives, whether we're a mom, a, a grandma, a daughter, or if we're um, not a mom at all. I mean, I think that there are, for many women, that is the ache. And we talk about infertility in these books and, mm. and um, you know, God's working through and speaking through those circumstances. So, so I think when we can see that these problems are consistent over time, 
Um, hopefully it helps us to look at each other with some grace and with some mercy, knowing that um, everybody has suffered in some way. And the last couple of years have certainly tried everybody on just about every level, um, and everybody suffered some kind of loss. So if we can have that compassion for each other and realize that it's not wasted, I firmly believe that the darkest, most difficult parts of my life um, has been when I felt God's presence most clearly and have grown through that. Uh, not that any of us would choose that, and no, none of us would choose what we suffered the last couple of years. Um, but I, I feel like these books hopefully will remind people that that God is ever-present in that. I love that. Such a beautiful and powerful sentiment, and I appreciate the, uh, the transparency and the authenticity with which it was shared. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the brand new book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. The book is out today, and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Shannon, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the book and for your time today here on The Bottom Line Show. Really appreciate you. God bless you, Roger. Thank you. And that concludes my conversation with Shannon Bream, of the now the host of Fox News Sunday on the Fox uh, News Channel. And also yeah, they run it on the Fox uh, regular channel as well, I mean, KTTV in Los Angeles and wherever else you're listening to. The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And the book is still selling gangbusters. Uh, we were able to snake a copy, and I want you to have it, so we're giving it away today. Uh, Teresa, standing by to take your calls. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. For Shannon Bream's book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Get your money out of a traditional 401k or IRA now, before the current administration raises taxes even higher. Newsflash. The current administration wants to raise your taxes. That's all they've been talking about is tax increases this year, next year, and the year after. Why? Well, we have an enormous debt of $30 trillion. And so it has to be paid for somehow. And they've got to go after where they can get the money. And one of the ways they're going after it is IRAs and 401ks. And the IRS and the government are working on ways to make your 401ks and your IRAs more of a tax burden to you, which creates revenue for them. That's why we call your 401k and your IRA retirement plans ticking time bombs, because these things are going to go off. Protect your nest egg from a huge tax bill. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services how you can defuse your ticking tax time bomb, otherwise known as your 401k or IRA retirement plans. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Shannon Bream from Fox News Channel, the newly minted host of Fox News Sunday. Her book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families, actually came out about five months ago. It's still at the top of the bestseller charts. And we do have a copy to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Selfishly, I wanted to share this with you because it's great news for Shannon. Uh, to have this opportunity. It's so wonderful for a sister in Christ to have this uh, this opportunity to be the calm voice of reason. I've always felt the Fox News Sunday was the premier program. When it comes to meet the press, face the nation, you know, reliable sources, all those other secular programs that discuss news issues, to know that we have a Christian woman who's a skilled attorney, uh, very knowledgeable, but very gracious, empathetic, compassionate, uh, everything that I think we should be in the body of Christ in the public square. Now, sure, I 
I get all hot under the collar every now and again. We started out with the Rocky Mountain Vibe story about the Colorado Independent Baseball team that canceled a pro-life event because they were afraid of the message it would send. And I thought, oh, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But you know what? This is the world that we're living in. And I'm grateful that uh, Shannon is, is speaking out, you know, using her platform to uh, talk about the, uh, first there was the women of the Bible speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today that came out last year. And then earlier this year, the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak. And that book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We got one more copy to give away. Uh, I have soft spot for Fox News Sunday also because I was working at the Fox Network on a fairly regular basis as a behind the scenes, off camera announcer. I did so for 30 years. And um, at one point, so I remember when they got the NFL from CBS and I did all the, uh, the demo voices for that when they were doing their test runs to get that up and, you know, uh, hope to get into Fox Sports, but that's a whole different conversation. When it came to Fox News Channel, though, they had some guy in the East Coast doing it. And they said, we need this really deep sound. And so I, I would go in early, like at 8 o'clock in the morning, drive into L.A., and I'd say, Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace or Fox News Sunday with Tony Snow and use that voice. And it was it was great fun. People would go, that's really you? And I'd say, yeah, that's really me. But, you know, it's amazing how God gives us opportunities wherever we are to be salt and light in a darkening world. And the question for us is not so much a question of how dark is the world and how do you find your way, but remember that not only are you carrying the light that allows you to see the very next step in front of you, but the light of Christ is reflecting through you. And it's helping others to see the true Jesus, the true God, the true nature of salvation everywhere you go. So regardless of where God is leading you right now, just keep walking toward his favor and walking toward where he is all the other voices are going to tell you, don't do that. that. That's not our message. But you have a message because you are a child of God redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ for all eternity. And that's the bottom line.